Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning once again. This is Coach Chuck Creasy. It is another week of American tennis, and every week on Wednesdays, usually, now and then I have to do a program at a different time, but we're on at noon on Wednesdays. Daggone it, we're already in our eighth year, and uh, just just, just amazing how fast the time is, has gone. And, and I, um, I keep doing a program, folks, for... Uh, Primarily, there's two reasons. Um, number one, uh, I guess it's it's a platform to where I can get some information out there from great and learned people, some uh, get some wisdom out there. And uh, you know, we can't meet anymore right now, can we? We, uh, you know, congregating, not going to church, we're not having meetings, we're not having seminars. We're not doing clinics, and my golly, if this were by design, I do not know if there was a better plan to sort of just completely disrail leadership skills and teaching skills and mentoring and all of the things that we need so badly. I mean, it's it's bad enough for our youngsters to have to uh, go to school online and, and uh, not be around a teacher and, uh, and for them not to learn how to share their personalities and to to be able to learn from their peers and to respond to peers uh, in, in so many different ways. And the learning is being taken out. And if, if this is by design, and I, I don't want to go here too much because I do want to spend a program with our uh, our guest today, but if this were by design, it's it's the most insidious, but it's the most brilliant, brilliant design ever to uh, sort of disrail, disrail uh, the pursuit of excellence and the pursuit of uh, mentoring and the pursuit of just learning. So we're we we may be getting ushered into a uh, that socialist society that uh, we hear about so much, but. Uh, I want to go now, though, and, and talk about our program today, and I want to tie it together. 
Our guest is um, Coach John Denise, and I'll bring him on here in a second. But I'm going to keep him off of the line just a second. I see you you came up on a switchboard there, John. But uh, I've asked him on the program today because he's sort of doing his swan song here with the with it was the UR tennis program, and now it's Yellow Ball Network. And uh, but he's had his program now for six years. And although that, you know, sounds like six years, come on, folks, that's 300 programs. 300 times he's gotten ready for a program, 300 times he's put his uh, wisdom out there and, and shared it with other people, and 300 times, and, and it, it's tough. I, I told you earlier the reason we, we you know, we, want, we do this because we have a platform, but also the way that it stretches you to do a program like this, it is really something. It, it takes it used to take me four or five hours to get ready for the program, and now not as much. It probably takes me about an hour and a half or so to get ready for the program when we have this. But it, but you have to get a guest. You have to know about the guest. You have to learn about the guest, and you have to structure a program, and you have to do all this. So John has done this 300 times. But this is going to be an interesting program, and John, hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to get you on here in a second, but I've got to read his accomplishments. Now, I, I want to and, and, and listen. I, I'm going to tie this together, but I'm going to end by asking, "What in the heck, John, were you thinking, getting involved in so much of this stuff?" And uh, I haven't got to mute. I know he's laughing right now, uh, or you know, and his wife's giving him the look like, "What in the heck? You you wonder why we did all this? You wonder why all did did all this?" and it wasn't for prosperity, but I want to talk about John's posterity more than his prosperity and the rich life that he has uh, given to other people. So John has been uh, high school. No, we're going to go back and start when he gets on the program. And I want to I want to talk to him about that police story. He was a policeman up in the Boston area, I think. He said for eleven years. Can you imagine? And then he got into high school coaching, and he was, came to Florida, and he ended up being associate executive director and president, tennis training coordinator, and so many things for the, the whole state of Texas and in, in the high school, the Florida High School Tennis Coaches Association. You know, I, and the greatest accomplishment, of course, he has, and as you get older, folks, you will understand this, but they have five children. One son, John, I think John Jr., and John, by the way, I haven't talked much about your son. He used to play against a lot of our Clemson players, but um, nothing but a fine fine human being. And then the nine grandchildren, three great-grandchildren, you know, those are the crowns of your life. Those, That's your posterity, your number one primary posterity. But he's coached 55 years, folks. Listen, 50 five years that's 18,000 days 18,000 practices basketball started as a basketball coach after his um, police days then he of course as basketball we, we anybody's in basketball your coach probably told you to start playing tennis in the summer times that's how I got into it but John did that and then he went into tennis of course and the, the game intrigued him and he Spent 30-plus years, you know, he more than 30 years ago, he he took the test and became a PTR pro 
and a USPTA pro, and he did all the things you need to do and we needed to do as um, athletes and as players and as coaches, and we wanted to learn as much as we can. We wanted to learn more than the certification would allow us. Now, look, John, he, he is recognized all over the country, not just from his radio program. He's been a speaker. He's uh, spoke at the National High School Coaches Association. He's done all these things. He's at the uh, Professional Tennis Registry. By the way, the PTR, the, the thing that Dennis Vandermeer started, has helped uh, hundreds and hundreds of people from all over the world. So he's been very much, much uh, aware of that. But, uh, you know, the, the the other point is he started a tennis school, business and personal development programs. But then as a high school coach, more than 20 years, he he he's had things written about him, but 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 he's he's twice now been into he's the Hall of Fame and of course the Florida and then the National High School Tennis Coaches Hall of Fame. And so I mean I and I'm going on and on and on here about him, but I want before he does his swan song and we'll get him on here uh in a second, I, I wanna pump as much sunshine as I can his way. And I, uh, the intro I put here, I put uh, Coach John Denise is saying goodbye this month to his tennis audiences. American Tennis pays tribute to his six years of service on the UR Tennis Network and as the, the Yellow Ball Network. And but John, thank you to you, the wonderful this to you as a wonderful teacher, coach, mentor in, in so many's lives. Your your life of service is admired. You know, it's highlighted by many, many things here. Now, I'm going to miss a few things, John, and please apologize, but your bio is so long that daggone it, you know, we're just reading stuff, and stuff becomes fluff, and then makes you look, in the end, like a cream puff, if that's all you're going for is the stuff. But we're going to make the... um, the uh, differential here and, and talk about it, the difference between fluff and just stuff and being a cream puff. How, how do you like that for rhyming, John? I, I got you on the air now. Is that pretty good? Very good. Very good. All right. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to put you on here for another minute or second or two. I want to I make a point here. Okay. Folks, nowadays we have a participation trophy society. Nowadays, we champion the weak, so we end up weakening the real champions by championing the weak. The war, so much harm is done when you give fake accolades and just fluff stuff. Fluff stuff to cream puffs, uh, it, it makes our society very untough. How's that? I'm stretching the rhymes there today. But we have fake book. Oh, sorry, sorry. Facebook, everybody's a hero on fake book. And so what happens is that you fluff, put so much fluff out there, and I don't want to do it. I, I really want to talk about your true accolades, John, and that, that's the teaching. And, and that's the teaching and the thing, and I want to go through that journey with you. I want, I want you to explain the journey of a teacher, the journey of a coach, the journey and in, in the, the, what goes, goes into that life of a coach and everything. But, but the point to everybody out there is that, so much fluff, you know, participation trophies, fake book, abbreviated scoring system, and a bunch of crap, pardon me, out there 
to try to show that we're all winners. We're all winners. No, we're not. Uh, my, you know, and all the bumper stickers say my son was a hero at, you know, uh, Central Elementary Junior High. You know, it, 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 it's, it's all disgusting because what happens, we end up in the end having 12 National Spelling Bee champions, 13 valedictorians, and nobody knows the difference between diamonds and rhinestone. John, I want to talk about your life being a diamond as a coach and as a teacher, and I want, I want to talk about that. And leading into it, on my program last week that I did with you, we talked about six things, financial reward, material reward, appreciation, association, self-improvement, and service to others. I'd like to go there first. Service to others, okay? Self-improvement had to be part of that in your younger years. You hope for appreciation, but nowadays people don't know <clears throat> what, why, you know, it's like thinking women at, win, winning at Wimbledon is like winning at Wilmington. You know, no, no, nobody, no, no, nobody, nobody knows the difference. My mama used to say, the world promises you buckets of rhinestone, son, but God gives you the chance to make one diamond with your life. John, Denise, you have a diamond in your life, and then you're so blessed with your family and Bobby and everything. I hope we do you great service today in, in letting you talk about the journey. And, um, you know, I'm okay, so that's the sunshine puppy. But listen, you, I'm, I, I couldn't say it more sincerely. I want your grandchildren, your children, your grandchildren, and everybody that knows you to be able to hear this program. So the bottom line is thank you for your service. I'm telling you I appreciate your service. I'm telling you that I'm glad to be associated with with you as a a friend and, and learning from you. And, John, regardless of your prosperity, your posterity is going to be great. So with that... Can you talk, tell us about yourself? You know, I want to go back and uh, start out. And you tell me about, I, I, we'd like to know where you grew up, sort of how you grew up, what your dad did, how you got into sports, what were your sports, how in the world did you become a policeman? So, John, go, go ahead. This is going to be your day today. And uh, I took up enough time, as much longer than any commentary you ever had, buddy. But it, it's, it's, that, it's, that's it's, for it's, sure what I say ah, that. like I said that's all you know that's to me that's all BS my family is, is is what the little good I've done and I think people forget when you're a service individual and you're thinking about service and helping others the rewards there are something that we forget. It's you don't you don't get a trophy, but that inner feeling you get that gee maybe I accomplished something is so great. And the, and those are the things I think get you through. Uh, today I looked at um, something on the uh, Facebook, and if somebody um, the, the quote was, "Don't let disappointment defeat you." Let it drive you. And I think that's important. I think that's what makes uh, diamonds. It's a long, 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 long process. And I probably owe 
most of my start to a, a coach in high school. Uh, I have to forgive me at my age now. Coach Swanson. And Coach Swanson cut me. And uh, he cut me because at the time, as a young man, my father uh, came back from World War II. Um, to me, he was a very special man. He taught me how to listen. As most young people, I had much to say, even though I didn't know anything. Uh, I was willing to share <laughs> with everybody anyway. And, uh, you know, questioning him sometime about, you know, my mother, because she was always pushing me as far as, you know, uh, study the classics. Did you read the Bible today? And something, and I'd say, Dad, why don't you say something, Mom? And that's what he told me. He said, you know, when you, you learn more from listening than you do from talking, John. And I didn't know that until, truthfully, I went in the, the Marine Corps. And uh, it was it was a remarkable time that I made that decision. I was 17 years old. I had uh, been working part-time because uh, my father had a heart attack. And I was with a company, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing, but I think it was, it was either Paramount Home Improvement or Paramount Windows or something like that. And I was uh, elected salesman of the month, and we were selling storm windows. And in Connecticut, where I was from. So was this uh, after high school, John? It was after high school, right? No, no, no. I was in high school. You were in high school? I I started working at 12 years old when my father had his heart attack. I became um, involved in uh, politics because... Somebody coming and bringing a check and uh, telling uh, telling my mother to remember to uh, vote, and I won't say which way to uh, vote. He told her, but uh, you know we're helping you with these checks and everything, and they and it was bullshit. That they weren't helping at all. He was a veteran. He had he got out of the service, and the, the government was helping him get started. He went from working his ass off to. Uh, they decided he was going to be an accountant. So anyway, being uh, I'm getting that there, I went to football practice, and as soon as I got there, <laughs> on the same day, <laughs> I go to I think, well, I'm going to have more time to practice now. And Coach Swanson, who I loved dearly, and I thanked him a hundred times over the years. Uh, told me he was conning me, and and I didn't understand it. You just weren't, hey, you just weren't good enough, right, in those days. You just, hey, hey, we're not keeping you around. You're just not good enough. Right, right. I had a similar situation. So did Michael Jordan, by the way. You know that. But go ahead. So I decided, well, I'm going to go in the Marine Corps, and I'm going to show these people, you know, uh, that how good I am. And uh, so I joined the Marine Corps. And I... uh, Went to a boot camp and discovered I was a very ordinary person. <laughs> there was nothing special about me at all. And uh, But the Marine Corps got me involved in coaching, uh, truthfully, for the wrong reasons. But you don't know what the Almighty has planned for you. And uh, I had 
met a young lady, uh, and she was helping uh, with Little League Baseball. And I never played anything beyond Little League Baseball, but I saw some obvious things she was doing wrong. And in those days, uh, more importantly, she was very attractive. And I said, hmm. So I decided to help her. And this better be Bobby. This better be Bobby, okay? <laughs> or you're going to catch hell. Unfortunately, it wasn't. And in my younger days, I was a different person, and, uh, and which I was too dumb to realize. She was an admiral's daughter, and, uh, uh, and the admiral was smart enough to realize that we were in two different worlds. But... She uh, had a in a local in a Hawaii paper. This was when I was I think I was still eighteen at the time, um, and uh, there was a piece in there about me helping their coach. So I sent that home to my mother in a short thing because I never liked to write long letters because my mother would always write back to me, and she could would correct my grammar and my spelling. And, uh, you know, that would be a big part of the letter that she sent. So I figured this this time I'm just going to send that. So she did, and she wound up putting it, it wound up in the Danbury News Time, which was our local paper, you know, her smart son in the Marine Corps and uh, helping coach in um, Hawaii. So we had three bases under one command. And uh, we used to compete against each other. It was, they were top secret bases, and you had to, so your competition was within the three. And our base owned the Jim Condors. We owned the Bingo. So they decided that they were going to add basketball to it. And um, so who's going to coach the basketball team? Well, the, my Marine buddies in our section decided, well, John Denise was a coach, let him be the basketball coach. Well, five foot nine, John Denise. Uh there were no books in those days. I think this was in fifty eight or maybe fifty nine it was yeah, one of the two. Yeah. And there were no books to read, there was no CDs to get and uh so I'm just uh, they were doing it more harassment. They were gonna do what they wanted anyway, but me, the coach, I was going to sit there and coach the team. So I tried to learn as much as I can. And that was my first experience in coaching, and I loved it. I just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So uh, that's how I got involved in coaching. Like I said, for all the right wrong reasons, but it set me on, which I think was the right track for me. It wasn't what I had planned, but they already had plans and uh yeah, that would started me in coaching. So, John, how many brothers and sisters did you have growing up? Well, there was five of us. I think at that time, when I went in the Marine Corps, I had a younger sister that died at 18. But uh, oh, boy. I think uh, when I started working, there was three of us then. And uh, and then we then I lost one of my sisters. Uh, yeah. And uh, very young, and then I lost uh, another sister uh, about five years ago. So uh, there's three of us uh, left, and um, you know, and I was the oldest, so 
you know, naturally I had to go out and. Uh, John, you grew up in Massachusetts. Down. John, you grew up in the north, Massachusetts, or where? Where'd you grow? Connecticut. Up? Connecticut. Okay. Connecticut. Yeah. 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 We were actually just we were more on the uh, west coast border, closer to New York. So, but the great thing about Connecticut. Uh, you know, you're either a Boston Red Sox fan or a Yankee fan because there was no Mets in those days. And uh, you were either a New York Knicks fan in basketball or Boston Celtics, and it was close enough that you to go both places. And in basketball, uh, you know, basketball, college basketball was in that area. Everybody thinks of UCLA and Indiana, which was great. Uh, but they came because of the greater New York basketball, college basketball. There were so many teams, and unfortunately what happens, and it's something, uh, as you know, I'm, uh, gambling is is something that uh, I have an addiction I fear my years in the uh, the police department, when I went in the police department, I didn't look good in uniform, so they put me in the detective bureau, and I wound up, uh, you know, wow. working drugs. But I always felt gambling was as big as addiction as, as that, and uh, and that's why one of the things that we were both invited to, I opted out of because I looked like we were going to be taken over by that, right. too. But so, basketball, yeah. basketball... Go was owned until there was a big uh, players in NYU in New York uh, turned around and, you know, were fixing games. And that By the, there was a big scandal about Boston College, I think back in, um, I forget what it was. There was a big, they, they used to talk about it a lot. And people, well, you know, listen, things used to get called out too, John. That that's mm-hmm. the thing that's really interesting, you know. That there's, you know, the saying: all that it takes for evil to prosper is for good good men to do nothing, you know. And, and tragically, uh, people do not, you know. We we just we we turn our heads now. And there's a saying here: I've got. Well, we have no all, more media. I mean, we right, have no right, more right, media. Right, 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 Well, I heard today, like one of the states out west, and in case we've got listeners out there. I'm not going to call you out, but apparently drugs were legalized. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Yeah. You thinking revenue money? Oh, oh, what? What in the world? Okay, so here's the statement: first we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we prom- even promote evil, then we celebrate the evil, then we finally we persecute those who still call it evil. And, and I mean, and, and John, we're talking, you know, I'd like to talk here. So you came back from the Marines, all right, and then you right away went into the police force business and they put you undercover to go after drugs and gamblers. Uh, fill us in no, there. No, I actually, I actually spent, uh, I went back into uh, sales uh, for about three years and I was, traveling around the country, uh, truthfully, uh, sales, and then later uh, business coaching uh, helped support 
what my family allowed me to do, and that was coaching. Um, fortunately, in the police department, when I got back, when I got into coaching at St. Mary's, uh, it was uh, I, I was able to make my own schedule, so I worked around that, and then coaching the uh, in the in the Ushrio uh, basketball league uh, for the police department and uh, other uh, industries that had teams in uh, southern uh, Connecticut, uh, you know, I would set up the schedule, and every now and then I would uh, mess me up because uh, I, uh, you know, the assignment came. But I had a good uh, assistant coach, and I was a player coach, but uh, I was not one of the stars on the team, and I right, was pretty good right. at picking the stars on the team. So we did pretty good. They always right. make so, a better coach. So tell me how. Okay, so what inspired you to go over to into the police business here? I mean, it sounds like your coaching career was taken off. What inspired you to go into the police business? Now, it really took off about that time going into it. What made me go into it that in the early days I was making a lot of money and uh and my uh first word when I was in the Marine Corps truthfully I thought about uh working in the uh Middle East because there was some in those days there was some big money you could make. And um, my first wife then who died, um she uh she called me up one day and I was in Philadelphia getting ready to go to North Carolina uh, on a speaking thing for a program we were running. And she asked me if I could stay home, uh, you know, instead of going back on Monday. So I said, yeah, why? And uh, she says, I set up an appointment with Chief Carlo. I said, Chief Carlo? Who's Chief Carlo? Well, he's the police chief. And... Uh, in Bethel, which is the next community. And remember how you were going to go in law enforcement in the Middle East? And I said, yeah. And uh, she says, well, you know, we we have a son now, and uh, I think you ought to be at home, and could you at least talk to him? So the next thing you know, I was on the police department. So that's why I said it wasn't, I could tell you how smart I was, but I wasn't that smart when I was younger, and I'm still not that smart. John, John, you know one thing about your gener I mean, I hate to say your generation, you're not that much older than me, but you came up with the Beach Boys in the 50s pretty much. You were a teenager when I was, uh, you know, a little bit little bit younger than you, but the bottom mm-hmm. line, there, there's, there's something I want to point out, and then I want to move on and talk about uh, tennis and your coaching tennis and things so we can I'm not going to do a commercial today you know I can talk through something if you need a rest period but I'm not going to do one I want to make sure we get to do a good job on his John what what has happened in our society is no one understands the process of failing you said let disappointment don't let it defeat you let it inspire you you Lose, you get up. You get knocked down, you get up. You know, and we were taught if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, and then try again some more. Now, in several, about even in the late 80s, it was getting to a place I used to give talks and say, if at first you don't succeed, you change the channel. 
or you try something else. And I, therefore, the whole pursuit of failing and then getting up, then failing, then getting up, then failing and getting up, that builds fortitude. It builds endurance. But here's the number one thing, John. You can still talk with respect and I don't want to say piety, but a, a reverence, a reverence. You can still speak at a level of reverence for your coaching days, for your giving days, and all of those days are precious to you because of the struggle. And my little shout-out to USTA high school people, coaches, leaders everywhere, when you make it easier, you make it irrelevant. And you you must understand that this struggle is, is what – and, John, that's what we're talking about right now. You – you uh, you had to work for these things, and you can still talk many years later with reverence and respect about them. So talk about – you coach I, high school basketball. Go, go, ahead, go ahead, jump in there. I, Sorry. I go think ahead. I've learned that, you know, things that I didn't appreciate later, but I can't – I agree with you 100%. We don't – I think we interpret love – as making things easier. Sometimes love is telling people, you know, you're just not working hard enough at this. And my mother, you know, she would tell me at times, you know, and like I said in the Marine Corps, I used to sometimes dread to get a letter because if I didn't respond to it, and then I'd have to sit down and think about what I was saying. When I was in, I went to a parochial school uh, the first eight grades, and uh, I had mm. a sister, Mary Ethelberg. <laughs> As did I. I'll never forget her. She would sit, we'd be out there playing baseball and everything, and compete. And if you weren't hustling, she would call you over. I mean, she'd say, you know, John, you know, you're hustling. That's disturbing the whole team. You're holding it. You know, you might not be want to compete, but the rest of the people on your team want to compete. You know, your responsibility is to help those people, not to hurt them. Nobody wants to hear that. Uh, she was right. She knew how to read people. And truthfully, that reflected how I coached. I believe we are born, you know, in the reflection of the Almighty. And there's greatness in all of us. The problem I had, I've, I've had people say, you know, you're pushing these high school kids. Yeah, I am. And uh, you, you expect a lot out of them. Yes, I do. I'm not smart enough to tell you which one has greatness in them and which one doesn't. So I'm going to teach all of them the same way. And then the ones that, that don't want to compete, there's choices in life, and if they choose not to, that's all right. Uh, you, you know, I'm like you. I had no cut before the USTA had a no cut program, but I also had parent player meetings three months prior to the start of official practice. I actually got turned in, and someone said, "Well, he's breaking the rules." No, I'm not. Teaching, I don't have the tennis racket. I don't have the ball. But, but, but just think about that. You, you're breaking rules that you work too hard. Just right. think the insidiousness of that. Don't dare outwork somebody. You know, it, it's 
It's all right to be smarter than your hound dog. You don't want to have to outrun them. Oh, it's just terrible. It is just well, terrible. How are we and, and, going to be smarter than them if we're not allowed to think no more? And I know I'm, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I've talked about it. Some people say too much. But when we're teaching through exams and how to pass the next exam, rather than teaching the subject matter and learning to love that subject or at least know that subject, uh, it's it's too easy to criticize the kids and say, boy, what, the, what are they thinking of? Well, maybe they're not thinking because they haven't been taught how to think. They've been taught how to pass tests. And well, let me get off of that. I know I I speak. Well, that. we're we're on the same. Once we're, we're we're on the same wavelength there, and we'll keep coming back to that. But let's move on to your high school coaching and and then your first teams and what you did there, and. Uh, so go ahead. Well, I think I had an advantage because, again, you learn from your mistakes. And, uh, you know, when my son started to John Denise School of Tennis and asked me uh, to, uh, you know, join him, uh, I started doing the youngest kids there. And the teams that we had and uh, going through that there. And really, I think that's the worst place to start. I know now, uh, but, uh, you know, at that time, because I guess when we started breaking levels down, you know, begin, beginners, advanced beginners, intermediates, everything, because you can't present the same facts to everybody. Matter of fact, one of the first ones is a, uh, I don't know if you remember Robert Kowalczyk. He was one of our local people. He's more an official now than he. He was a national collegiate clay court champion. Uh, kid that just worked and worked. Him and uh, Marty Fish were buddy buddy. Marty Fish was a funny guy. He would sit there and tell me, Coach, you know, at the end of practice, as you know, I talk a lot, and I'd be a little long range and Coach surfaces up. Kowalczyk you'd have to throw out of there but he was one of the gave me one of the first lessons when he was about 7 or 8 years old because I was doing a beginner class and teaching something I forgot what it was now but anyway Robert says no coach that's the house son it's done this way here and uh, so you got you know, into tennis. You were you were late. You were an athlete. You were a basketball player. You'd had all this experience, and then you got into tennis, and it sort of mesmerized you and and hooked you, and you just wanted to know more about it. So, uh, you, you, did, how long after you got into tennis were you able to get a high school coaching job? Oh, that came about ten years later. I didn't actually. I was president of the PTR Florida section at that time, and I don't know if you remember. But they were the big push was don't let your kid play uh, high school tennis because uh, you know the colleges won't look at him and nobody will want him or her. And as the president of the PTR, I thought I was doing a good thing in saying you know no everybody's not going to be a college player everybody's not going to be a pro. Let's uh, you know we we need to sit there and. Uh, 
have these kids play high school tennis. Now we're hearing the same thing in college tennis, sadly. Um, but uh, I had uh, the athletic director, was a new school opening up, uh, Sebastian High School, and uh, Coach Stutsky, one of the great uh, educators, I believe. And uh, you're talking to him, and he says, well, why don't you put your mouth where your money is? And I said, what do you mean? That's and they said, well, I think we got that backwards, John. Money were mouth, mouth were money. You know, my friend Randy Blumendahl, you know what he always said? I, I, I don't jump in there. You just make me laugh, though, because Randy Blumendahl always says, I hit the head on the nail. I go, no, 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 Rand, Randy, you don't hit your head on the nail. You hit your nail on the head. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> so, anyhow, you know, put your mouth. Okay. Anyhow, go ahead. <laughs> that just oh, jumped in my head. He, Sorry, John. So he taught me, he said, well, I get involved and take over to high school. And, of course, I started the first year doing volunteer uh, with that because I wasn't a teacher. I had to get a teacher's certificate. Uh, I had, uh, there was, um, you know, quite frankly, he, he was not a union person. Uh, the unions didn't like the idea of having uh, real tennis pro <laughs> rather than a teacher. So uh, that's what happens. So I said, well, if you're willing to put you up, if I'm, I said, but I have to, you know, teach the way I believe, and I don't believe in, you know, letting kids get away with and rope murders and right. just plenty and everything. And he was the greatest guy in the world. He says, I want to know what you're doing before, he says. I, he said, the odds of me telling you you can't do nothing uh, are probably close to zero because I know when that happens, you're gone. And I said, yeah. Uh, but he says, I have to know. And uh, is, you know, is excellence, the pursuit of excellence gone? John, you know, I mean, everything comes back to your pursuit of excellence and still – you know, and staying with the staying with the task, still going after it, your pursuit of excellence. Have we lost this? Is there anywhere at all? Look, we see some things that inspire us, but for the most part, I'm very uninspired with most sports. Now, have we have we lost the pursuit of excellence in our country, John, or do you think it's just hit? I think right? we have. I think we have think a combination have. of giving too many trophies, a combination of, you know, trying to set a, a standards, being told what to do instead of showing what to do and helping people do it. And I, I don't think making anything easier helps. And I have biases, I admit, uh, you know, in the Marine Corps, uh, you either, uh, you know, Leather, you, you were taught everything that something is going to happen, and you better sit there and come up with plan B and be ready. And you were taught to train somebody to replace you. And this I don't think we do no more. Instead, we give out, you know, we have competition. I have, I know people that are in college that are enjoying their experience, and, uh, but, uh, I don't think they're really putting the effort in that they know. I mean, I, I have I have two uh, grandsons playing college baseball. They both get scholarships. 
uh, they spent uh, about a month down here where Ashley, uh, well, not Ashley, Hobson. Ashley Hobson, right, yeah. right, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, they, they knew, you know, because they got a pain in the ass grandfather, you can't take a month off and nobody, nobody is that good. But they spent a month down here in Florida simply because the schools are out. They couldn't do it. And, uh, you know, then you're going to sit there and blame a coach after for not producing a, a winning team. Well, there is no shortcuts in life, and there's no shortcuts in sports, and that's what I loved about sports. And I felt I was contributing something because I think that's what's lacking. I'm not sure we're ready to compete. And I don't like the idea of my own bias is turning everything over to big tech because, uh, you know, I think that presents a problem. Yeah, these uh, big tech could even be these academies, these factories, a place where you go in there and you become a product of that factory. And everybody thinks they talk about a pathway. I've always said it's not a pathway. It's got to be a highway, an expressway, a freeway, not just a pathway. But the bottom line on that is you cannot secondhand teach motivation every person must make the journey and the one thing that is true is that you must have pain before you have a an ability to have courage the only way you become brave is to fail and then to get up and try again you know that's how you 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 must fail in order to have courage so we have promoted everything so much to the marketing people have made people say, I want cause you got it. I want mm-hmm. that because you got, I deserve this. I deserve that. We don't deserve anything. Nothing. The first thing our parents taught us was life was not fair, free or equal. Equity mm-hmm. is what we work for that's a free and equal opportunity but it is not equal you're not equal to me i'm not equal to you equity yes we're different god made us different fair free everyone pays a price and guess what it's not fair that some people uh just have more or have less that's just life that's just life you but you better take where you're at so my question to you is is Okay, where do we go from here? It, I don't think it can happen through our organizations. The ITA, look, USTA, no. That's a bureaucracy, and God bless you guys at the USTA for the work you do, but you've got a, you got a workbook there on how to do this stuff, and that ain't it, folks. That ain't it. Each thing is unique, and guess what? USTA you stay with cliches and facts and surface. You don't get to opinions now and then, but you don't get to the heart of the athlete unless you suffer alongside them and go to the depth. That's where you're missing it. So I don't think organizations are doing it. Our people are not having to suffer enough. Our coaches are after quick fixes. They don't. So many of them don't care that we've destroyed the game of tennis with no ad scoring and abbreviated scoring. They don't care. They just want their 
few minutes in the sun. So, John, John, you've got years and years of experience, 55 years, 18,000 days. Where do we go? Where do we go, John, to, to well, get I, I think where we go, and, it, you know, go back to my mother. She talked about the classics, reading the classics. Uh, and part of the classics, in my opinion, and, and this is where translation, I think, is the Bible. Uh, some of the things, it's, it's a hard book to read because some of the things, I'm thinking, God almighty, this is like a sex novel in one thing, and this is another, oh my God, how can brothers do this to each other? But it's a learning, the classics, uh, Aristotle says that we're all looking for the good. If we're doing that, I think the misinterpretation is, and, I, and this is why I thought that high school was a good place, but I don't think we sit there and understand what, and a lot of coaches and a lot of places talk about trust and love. I think we have a misinterpretation of those words. Trust is not making the person feel good all the time. Love is not, you know, making them feel good. Trust and love is being truthful, telling the person you're not working hard enough sometimes, or Making a, a co-captain. I have a co-captain, a young lady. I won't mention her name today. She's doing something, making good money, doing something I don't like. But she was. She never was a, a starter for me. Uh, but she was one of my co-captains because she contributed all the time and she worked hard. And uh, when I used to write things, I'd always uh, put a quote sound down and I sit there and say, what does this mean? You had to sign it. And then at the end of practice, I said, okay, what does that mean to you? And uh, sometimes I would modify some good quotes, and they wouldn't mean exactly what you think. And I used to have to tell her, I don't want you to be the first to respond. And, and, so, and we have a lot of parents. We have a lot of parents listening everybody. out there and coaches and a few parents, but I know a lot of parents listen to this program. And Parents, please, please, please listen to what Coach Denise is saying here, and and uh, finish your statement. And I got to read you something here too, John. Go ahead, finish your statement. Okay, let me I, let me just. I know you love Bobby and she loves you. Let me tell you a quick story though. Do you remember when you were in Hilton Head? We were at a PTR, and you had you were leaving Clemson to go to uh, Asia. And oh, yes. Thailand, right, and uh, I was fascinated with that because I thought, you know, to take the risk that you were willing to take, and this was, to me, make special people, and they're going to go, and most people won't take that risk. Well, I don't know if you know it. You were being played. We were out by the, the indoor courts. You just got through speaking, giving a class out there, and Bobby's walking up behind you, and you're saying, Coach, you ought to come there with me. And Bobby was behind you, and she was shaking her head no. And, uh, you know, and I you know, so honored that you would, you know, respect that I could be one person there. So when you left me, she, every time you would say something, she's behind you shaking her head no. 
And I said, he, honey, he's being polite to me. You know, I said, he was a, that I had to go. I said, that takes special people to do what he's doing. And he says, if he would have well, asked you, you would have really, what I'm saying, how could you, you know, I said, you know, that, those are special people take that to leave a job at Clemson and where you, you, the reputation you have to sit there and teach people that tennis isn't the main sport. I said, you, you know, could you imagine that? <laughs> but she loved well, me dearly. But that, John, for a few minutes, she was worried. Well, John, uh, and you're exactly right. I, I said that out of respect, and I said it out of and, you know, But here's the point is <clears throat> I had no choice in my mind. I got the opportunity when I left Clemson to take a very nice position in Southeast Asia, and I got to travel all those countries and do all that. And my children, I had a five-, three-, and a one-year-old at the time. You can imagine my wife taking the three children, and we go to Thailand and live. And What an experience now, but we had to. Uh, it's the story of the black door again. It's the story of the black door, the door of fear. And when an opportunity presents itself, if you don't take it, you will look back and regret, what if, why didn't I? I, you know, in in looking back on it, you know, it was an experience. I'm not saying a change, you know, it was experience of a lifetime. But the point is, is I experienced things I could never have experienced. However, however, you know, you there comes a place in life where you have to find, you have to find where you are, um, you know, completely, you know, completely. Uh, John, just at peace with where you are and what you're doing, and mm-hmm. you know, and and you know, we we all try to get to that place, you know, with 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 our lives, and uh, you know, you find your place, and it's not that I haven't found my place, but uh, you know, when you're you've got to go when you're young, young people out there, you got to mm-hmm. go, roots and wings, parents. You got to kick them out and have them go do these things because God did not mean for us to just go hide away and things like that. So, yeah, that was that was a bit that was a big big challenge. But um, yeah, so John, with you and the journey you've had with so many people, again, I keep saying posterity over prosperity. Tell me if this is similar with you. I coached team sports. Because there's a quote that says, no prize won for self can compare to the great feeling of accomplishment and pride that is shared in victory victory with those who suffered side by side for a common cause. Now, that's a powerful statement because it says suffered side by side for a common cause and then to accomplish that. Now, here's what we're missing, and I want to get back, you know, we've got, about six, seven minutes here, but I want to I want to get back and have you solve the problem for us. Talk to the parents, talk to the kids, talk to the coaches out there. But making things easier, you know, easier does not make them better. Easy to pick up becomes easy to put down. We we must challenge our youngsters, you know. So could you elaborate on that a little bit? you know, and, and leave us with some wisdom here. 
Well, I don't know how much wisdom I give you too. I mean, one of the great things about doing this broadcast is that, you know, once a month and the viewer there and Alan Fox once a month, and then I was blessed to be able to bring people on with a lot more wisdom than me. So uh, this is a little awkward, but I couldn't agree more. I think the worst thing we can do is to make things easier for you. To grow, you have to challenge. Just like you have to challenge your muscles to grow and get stronger, you have to challenge your mind, and that means more reading. That that, that doesn't mean uh, getting the test answers. That means studying for the subject. And I think that, you know, when we're worried about how get, getting a, a raise means that a percentage of our students have to have a certain grade. Uh, you know, then we're not doing is teaching no more. We're doing no, it's, it's a certain hunger. It's a certain hunger they need to have. So, mm-hmm. yeah, go. I'm sorry, John. Go, go ahead. I, I, at the World Scholar Athlete Games, every four years they have it. I, I met a young lady, a coach there, and I think this is a good uh, example where she was uh, sat in. She had moved from one school, and coming from law enforcement, you're always, you know, your first thing is how do I fix this and how do I uh, uh, solve this problem? And you think sometimes the worst. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, was it sexually bruised? Why did she? It's a good player. She's volunt- a great young lady, volunteering her time at the World Scholar Athletes as one of the coaches in baseball. And... Uh, Four years later, I met her again, and we sat there, and we were having lunch or breakfast together, and we are talking. So the subject came up, and I asked her, you know, what made her leave? Is, is there a problem? And she says, not really. So I said, what the problem with the coach? She says, well, we had different views. So I said, push too hard? He says, no. He says, he actually reminds me a lot of you. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, everybody there was a lady, you know, ladies this and ladies that, very respectful, you know, handling, is there anything I could help you with? But he says he never pushed us. He never pushed us. And, you know, as tennis coordinator for the World Scholar at the game, I'm trying to make all the coaches happy and everything, and I wasn't doing coaching that year like I did in previous uh, four years prior to that. Uh but it was interesting. I said, what do you mean, like me? <laughs> you know? And she said, well, you know, you need to be pushed. And she said, women are no different than men. And I had used, and I was one that I do believe tennis is a game for ladies and gentlemen. And but, talking, but, I always use that phrase. But I had, what she didn't know about me was that I did push. So she was, she understood. But you expect excellence. That's the point. Right. You expected excellence, and right. and, I, and John, I, I always said, I always have told players, never have I had a player come back in my forty-seven years of coaching and say you worked us too hard. But a hundred percent of the time, they'll come back and say, why didn't you see more in us? Yesterday, I sent a text. My son right now is playing baseball, and he's trying to make a jump from the elementary school ranks to the high school ranks, and. His coach put him on the bench the other day, 
And so I sent the coach a text that said, Coach, thank you for delivering the message to my son. That is the tough message and the one needed instead of the soft stuff that only makes my son just feel good. Thank you for the tough love coaching and the jerking his butt when he was needed, the jerking his butt out when it was needed. That is the only way that kids can learn sometimes at this level. His character is good, and he will not quit, and he'll turn the bad into good as he grows. Thank you, Coach, for your work. All right, parents, you're hearing me? The message Coach Denise has brought. Everything about this is that comfort bears no fruit. It might feel better, but it bears no fruit. And I'd, I'd like to finish up here, John, and, and say something. Yes, go ahead, Coach. John, John, God bless you um, and your wife and your family. Your posterity is great and will be great, regardless of your prosperity for years and years to come. We are grateful. I am grateful. Everybody who has played for you is grateful for the wisdom that you've passed on. Now, all I can tell you is that the audience of the loved ones in God is the best audience you could have. That's better than billboards. It's better than any gold or silver or money you could have. Truly, John, you're helping to make diamonds out of people's lives. And your life has been a diamond in your coaching. And just I just want to tell you thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, you know, just you know, God bless you, John. And stay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on you. By the way, to stay in the hunt. You know, I, I'm I'm you know, my nickname is Stir Stick. No, no, no. It's more Stir Paddle. The preacher told me one time. He said you're more of a Stir Paddle. Uh, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna prod you. You know that to get in well, and do do more and more and more. I'll let you have the last yeah. word there, and then we got to go. Well, I'm not planning to disappear, and uh, you, you know I. Be in contact. Matter of fact, maybe uh, uh, we're planning to be in Hilton Head the week after Thanksgiving. Maybe I'll get a chance to shoot up and uh, and you get to see you. We'll see how our schedules yeah, go. Yeah. But you and, know, and it I is, and it sincerely. is. And, and, and listen, I, God's um, God's favor is what we should be after. Everything blows away faster than a daggone fart in a Florida hurricane, you know. And and so I, sorry for being vulgar on the show. Your children, your grandchildren will all be able to hear this program. And also, folks, we'll be able to listen to John Denise's coaching blessings and uh, mentoring program that he's had for this last six years, John. Thank you. Thank you for what you do, and thank you for being on today. Thank you, Coach. Bye-bye. Okay. And, folks, and we wanted to remind you, you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. And the the hunger of an inquisitive mind, Clarence Mabry used to say, is the greatest, greatest gift, the greatest thing that a, a person could learn, a child could learn. I recently told my players, look, the only free cheese comes in a mousetrap. And we all need to remember that. God bless you all, and God bless John Denise for what he did. Tattooed on his left arm Spent a little more in the store For a tag in the back
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.